Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com, and this is the Ready for the Draft podcast, episode 11 of the podcast series dedicated to the 2020 NFL Draft. Hard to believe we're already through week eight of the college football season. Halloween is knocking on our door, which means next week we're going to be talking about November. That's usually where teams separate themselves, the championship teams. We're going to start seeing some of the college football playoff rankings coming out pretty soon. And before you know it, we'll be talking about bowl season. Hard to believe. Now, two weeks ago, we took a look at the quarterbacks. And obviously, Tua Tagovailoa and Justin Herbert separated themselves. Joe Burrow, though hot on their heels. Uh, I think the three of them, you know, I think Tua has the... Uh, has a really good chance of being the number one overall pick, likely going to to Miami. Although Cincinnati, you know, could potentially make a, a run there as well. Zach Taylor looking for his quarterback of the future. Justin Herbert, the big body, big arm, athletic quarterback uh, out of Oregon, looks a lot like Josh Allen. Uh, he's going to be right there, probably a top ten pick. And then Joe Burrow. You know, I'd argue that Joe Burrow is, is a top ten talent. Why? You know, this is a guy who a season ago. Look like an average quarterback, maybe an undrafted free agent, maybe a late round pick at best. But Joe Brady comes in, brings an NFL style offense, and Joe Burrow has shown such a command of that offense. I can picture him in an NFL offense tomorrow based on the scheme that he's been running. Now, Tua went down to an ankle injury. He's not going to be playing this week against Arkansas. Um, I don't think that's really going to affect his draft stock, although, you know, he's had the same surgery on both ankles now for high ankle sprains. So that is something just to keep an eye on. You know, durability may be the biggest concern when you're talking about Tua. Quarterbacks after that, you know, Jake Fromm, where's he going to go? Is he a first rounder? Is he a second rounder? He does a lot of things at the line of scrimmage that uh, a lot of quarterbacks, you know, are still struggling to, to be able to figure out. Then obviously you've got the the underclassmen, Jacob Eason, Sam Ellinger, uh, KJ Costello, and, uh, and Jordan Love. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to enter the draft? Are they going to come back for their senior season? You know, it remains to be seen there. Um, last week, talked about the receiver position. Talked about the fact that Jerry Judy right now is the number one wideout, but C.D. Lamb, or as Gus Johnson calls him, C.D. with the T.D. C.D. Lamb is right on his heels. And, and I talked about his performance against Texas really you know, looking like Julio Jones. He was doing some Julio Jones type things out there. Now, don't don't get me wrong. He's not Julio Jones. I know Julio's 6'3", 220, and, and uh, CeeDee Lamb's only 6'2", a buck 97. But the, the strength and the power, along with the athleticism, the speed, and uh, the hands, uh, really reminded me a lot of, of what Julio Jones looked like at Alabama. Uh, so Jones and, uh, I'm sorry, Judy and uh, CeeDee Lamb both top 10 picks in my opinion. Uh, and then Henry Ruggs looking like a, a top 20, top 25 pick as well. Uh, you know, you've got uh, T Higgins, LaVisca Chenault having a chance there. And I'll give you a name that we didn't talk about last week, but he's a junior and a guy who had a great week this week. We'll be talking about, or this past week, we're going to talk about him as we talk about what I've seen. And, and that's KJ Hamler out of Penn state. You know, he's a little guy, five, showing that he can stretch defenses on the outside. I think he'd be a wicked slot receiver. Um, you know, had a really nice slot fade, uh, in the game against Michigan, the 28, 21 win, uh, in happy Valley, the whiteout against the Wolverines. KJ Hamler is a guy to, to really, you know, keep an eye on, um, you know, a guy who's going to continue to move up draft boards, in my opinion, if he decides to stay uh, at Penn State. 
you know, then you're looking at a, a receiver who's going to be talked about much like Henry Ruggs this year in, uh, in, in uh, the 2021 draft. So today we're going to talk about the running back position. Now, I know when you talk about running backs, everyone talks about the fact that, man, the game is moving away from the running back. The running back is a dying breed. You know, who really cares about the running back? You know, and, and for a while, I think that might have been the case. You know, there was a stretch there where, hey, the running back has been devalued. But let's take a look at who's successful right now. You know, you've got you know, Carolina is uh, is winning games. They're over 500, and, you know, despite the fact that Cam Newton is down. And while Kyle Allen has filled in admirably uh, in his stead, you know, you, you look at Christian McCaffrey and the special back that he is, a guy who, you know, is running with power between the tackles like we never thought that he could, uh, the speed on the outside, uh, the elusiveness in the open field, and then obviously the dynamic, you know, playmaking ability with his hands. You know, you think about the Rams with Todd Gurley. What does Todd Gurley mean to Jared Goff? Well, you know, when Todd Gurley's in the game, uh, Jared Goff, much different quarterback because you have that threat of the run. He's able to use the play action, and uh, really, you know, Todd Gurley sets up that passing attack for the Rams. When he goes out, they're a much different team offensively. How about the 49ers? 49ers are undefeated. And, and Jimmy G's played okay. You know, and he's got some receivers. You know, they just made a trade for Emmanuel Sanders. But you look at, you know, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel. You know, really, the number one wideout for them is, is the tight end, George Kittle, uh, having another monster year for the Niners. Uh, but that running game, Matt Breda, Tevin Coleman, you know, just really running the football very well. You know, and they're doing it behind a line that is without Joe Staley, without Mike McGlinchey for much of the season. How about the Saints? Saints have uh, Alvin Kamara. You know, and his his versatility, his ability to catch the football out of the backfield as well as as carry the football. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott. You know, he's a, a difference maker there for Dallas. That offense is a lot different when he's got the football in his hands. Uh, you're running behind that offensive line. Um, Dak Prescott, a much different quarterback when Ezekiel Elliott's in the game versus when he's not. You know, and we've already seen that. Uh, you know, so the running backs and then not just the starters, right? You know, not just the starters. You know, you've got uh, Austin Eckler behind Melvin Gordon and the impact that he made, especially when more Melvin Gordon was holding out. Uh, Tariq Cohen, you know, look at the the Patriots. They've got like three or four different running backs, all effective, all, you know, and you really don't know if you're a fantasy owner of, of any of the Patriots running backs, you kind of get a little frustrated because you don't know who to start. You got Sony Michelle, who's really kind of the workhorse for them. Uh, you know, but James White coming out of the backfield, catching the football, uh, Rex Burkhead, Brandon Bolden, they all contribute. So what, you know, what I'm trying to say is, is that running back position for as much as everyone talks about it being devalued, it still makes a difference at the next level. So the running back position, you know, when you when you're drafting, if you can draft a franchise running back or find a diamond in the rough, it makes all the difference in the world. Now, what, what's interesting is if if you look at over the over the years, uh, all the way back in 2011, 29 running backs were taken in the draft. I mean, it's it's staggering. That was the year that uh, Mark Ingram went in the first round. He was the only running back taken. In round number one, but um, you know, in the uh, on day two, second, you know, uh, rounds two and three, you had another eight running backs taken uh, at, at that point. So you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of interesting to see how the the running back position evolves. Twenty six running backs taken in twenty thirteen. Um, you know, twenty fourteen you had twenty two. 
2015, another 22. And in 2015, you know, that was the draft that saw Todd Gurley and, and Melvin Gordon go in round number one. That was really when teams were talking about, do we take a running back? You know, does it really even matter? Well, that draft also saw, you know, TJ Yeldon, who was a, a serviceable serviceable back taken in round number two, Tevin Coleman taken in uh, in round number three, the ninth overall pick in round number three, Duke Johnson going to the Browns, David Johnson, one of the top five backs uh, in the league right now. He was taken 86 overall in the third round. Um, you know, and, and, you know, so that was a draft that definitely had some impact players at the running back position. Um, you know, and if you take a look, 2016, another 23 running backs taken, uh, you know, that's the year that Ezekiel Elliott, uh, went in the first round, Derek Henry written round number two, uh, you know, so Jordan Howard was a steal in round number five, uh, moving forward, 2017, 30 running backs, 30. So you're talking about a running back position that's devalued, yet you drafted 30 running backs, you know, when you're talking about the league, you know, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, uh, uh, let's see, James Conner taken in the third round, Tariq Cohen in round number four, Jamal Williams of the Packers. I mean, look at the Packers, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, the way that they're running the football. Aaron Jones was taken in round number five. That's a day three pick really balling out as is Marlon Mack. He was taken in round number four, Wayne Gallman for the giants, getting some playing time, uh, round number four as well. Um, so, you know, the running back position, you know, it, it means something. Don't let anybody fool you there. You know, and then obviously 2018, uh, when, when Saquon Barkley went number two overall, 21 running backs taken in that draft, uh, Sony Michelle, uh, taken at the end of round number one, Nick Chubb at the top of round number two, uh, carry on Johnson also taken, you know, making a difference there for the lions. Um, you know, and then some of the other, um, serviceable backs, kind of the backups, the guy change of pace backs, the, the likes of, you know, Naeem Hines, Royce Freeman, uh, you know, those were, were day, uh, days two and, uh, two and three, uh, picks. Uh, you look at Chase Edmonds for the Cardinals, you know, he had a big game, uh, for the Redbirds, uh, this past weekend, uh, filling in for for David Johnson, Ito Smith of the Falcons. He was taken in the fourth round. So my point is the running back position means something. And you know, you're looking at, you know, there are probably you know a handful of guys who truly are elite players, but you, know, you have teams that focus on the run a lot more than uh, maybe even in years past. And you know, it's one of those things. Yes, the game is, you know, they're throwing the football a lot, but if you want to get win win football games, you have to be able to put the ball on the ground and, and allow I'm sorry, you know, carry the football. Don't put the ball on the ground, but carry the football, uh, you know, sustain, you know, drives, time of possession. You know, if you're playing the Chiefs, you don't want to give Patrick Mahomes any time. You know, this is a, a fast moving offense. The best best defense is a good offense, you know, especially against against the Chiefs where they can score you know, in, in 10, 15 seconds, if you really let them. So running backs absolutely make a difference. So I've got some guys here, you know, my top 10 plus a few other guys to mention at the top of this draft. So without further ado, my number one running back, it hasn't changed. Come on. Uh, it's Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, 5'11", 219 pound junior, uh, has just been a beast ever since he showed up on campus at Wisconsin. Um, 
you know, and Wisconsin has a history of those those running backs, you know, and with that running game that they have, you know, all the way back, you know, with Ron Dane to Monty Ball to Melvin Gordon. And Jonathan Taylor has has a chance to be just as special, if not more special, than those guys. Um, you know, when you talk about him, 2017, he was a Doak Walker uh, finalist. Yeah, but when you think about it, his second game on campus against Florida Atlantic, you know, taking on the Owls, 26 carries, 223 yards, and three touchdowns. That's 8.6 yards per carry. And that was as a freshman. You know, as a freshman, you know, 10 games with, with over 100 yards, three of those over 200 yards, a touchdown in seven straight games, uh, you know, with three multi-touchdown games as well. I mean, it was just staggering. Finished with, you know, 1,977 yards on the ground, 13 touchdowns, uh, just an absolute beast. 2018 follows that up with, you know, winning the Dope Walker Award, you know, another 10 games with 100-plus yards, including, you know, uh, two games over 200 yards, uh, you know, just an absolute, absolute beast. Um, so when you look at him, you know, 2018, over 2,000 yards, 2,194 yards, 16 touchdowns on the year, and uh, through seven games this year, already eclipsing, you know, uh, the 900-yard mark, 15 touchdowns on the year as well, 100 yards in six of the seven games. Um, you know, the only other game was was an 80-yard ru- uh, rush, uh, 80 yard game um, against Michigan State, where he scored two touchdowns. Has at least one touchdown in every game this year. Five multi touchdown games, including four against Kent State. Uh, four games with three receptions. Now that's the thing. You know, in his first two seasons, he had eight receptions in each of those seasons. In 2019, he's already hit that total. 16 receptions through seven games. You know, he's definitely worked on his hands. And you can see that um, when you evaluate him. You know, I think he's improving in the pass uh, in the passing game, shows better hands. He's still working on, you know, securing the football before turning up field, had a drop against Illinois, uh, you know, really hit him in the hands. And the, the thing with it was was he was looking up field, looking for the linebacker, uh, trying to make a play down the field before he actually secured the football. So Still a learning progress, still you know uh, a work in progress there. The other thing is, is I don't really know you know about his pass blocking skills as much because when you have uh, passing downs, when you know Wisconsin is going to be throwing the football, if you'll watch them play, it's usually Garrett Groshek, the backup running back, who's in there as the pass blocker. You know, I want to really see you know Jonathan Taylor back there. Is he going to be able? Because there are some other guys in here. We'll talk about Kylan Hill, you know, um, and what he did against LSU to to put a block on on Grant Delpit. Um, I don't know if Jonathan Taylor can really pass block, and that's something that I'm really wanting to see more of. Uh, but there's no doubt, Jonathan Taylor, the speed is is just electric. You know, this is a guy who ran a ten. Uh, 10 for 100 meters, you know, ran in the four by one for Wisconsin. Uh, so he has the breakaway speed, has more speed to him than any of the other Wisconsin running backs. And I think that's what makes him so dangerous. You know, you can list off, you know, Dane and, and Ball and Gordon, but uh, nobody has that explosive. All of those guys run hard, you know, the power between the tackles and, and 
you know, Jonathan Taylor absolutely does that. But you know, what's so staggering is you have 4,171 yards. It's the most through his sophomore year. I mean, that, that beat Ron Dane's uh, 3,566 yards and Herschel Walker's 3,507. The only other two guys over 3,500 yards in their, in their career. Uh, you know, and he's just the fourth player in FBS history with back-to-back 1,900-yard seasons. Um, incredible. And this is a guy, I mentioned the, the speed, he's going to run by you. You know, all he needs is a crease and, and you get him into the open field and he can put his foot in the ground. You know, he's got a little bit of wiggle to him as well uh, when you get him in space. But I, I think really what's special about him is the vision. You know, the vision to see the holes, see the cutback lanes. Uh, you know, a season ago, he had NFL offensive linemen. He had the likes of uh, uh, Michael Dieter and uh, David Edwards and Bo Benshaw, they're gone. And so he's running behind a line. You know, Cole Van Lannen is kind of a part-time starter a season ago uh, at left tackle. Uh, obviously, Tyler Beattis, um, you know, who's likely going to be the Remington Award winner this year. Um, you know, you look at him, you know, he's kind of the anchor there. But you've got three new starters up front. And they like to rotate a lot of other guys in there. And, and, and I'm sorry, uh, Jonathan Taylor still the vision. You know, even against a line that has been, you know, questionable at times, um, is seeing those lanes. All he needs is a crease, puts his foot in the ground, gets north and south, no wasted movement. You're not going to see him dancing. Uh, you know, what I do appreciate is ability to make guys miss in the backfield with a quick lateral cut. Um, you know, and a guy that big, you know, he's 5'11, 220 pounds, and uh, making guys miss in the backfield is, is quite impressive. But, you know, 28 games over 100 yards. Eight games over 200 and one 300-yard game, um, you know, and that was in 2018. 33 carries, 321 yards, three touchdowns against Purdue. Um, you know, but Jonathan Taylor, to me, you look at him and Melvin Gordon. You know, obviously he was a top 20 pick. I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor. He has the ability. You know, I wouldn't put him quite in the Saquon Barkley category because Saquon, look, Saquon could do a little bit of everything. And there are still some holes in, in Jonathan Taylor's game. Really, he has to prove uh, that he can pass block, that he's you know more improved as a pass catcher. And I think Saquon Barkley was a little bit more refined. That's why he's going to num- you know at number two overall. I still think Jonathan Taylor can end up in the top fifteen. Uh, you know, he just needs to go to the right team, and uh, you know you very well could have a guy. He's just continuing to develop. You know, you look at Melvin Gordon, and, and Melvin Gordon when he uh, came out of. Wisconsin, he was not known as a pass catcher. And that was one of the things that he had to kind of prove to everyone that he could catch the football out of the backfield. Now, Melvin Gordon, uh, in his career, just 22 receptions. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor has already surpassed that amount. But when you talk about Melvin Gordon uh, with the Chargers, um, I'm pulling up the stats now to just kind of take a look at at what Melvin Gordon has done. Let's see, receiving 2016 through 2018 had at least 21 receptions. Let's see, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, even more than that. Okay, so I was looking at the wrong number. Um, so in 2015, 30, uh, 33 receptions, 41 in, 20, in 2016, 58 in 2017, and 50 in 2018. So when you look at guys and catching the football out of the backfield, Melvin Gordon, just 22, including just 19 in 2014, um, I'm not too worried about Jonathan Taylor. As long as he continues to work and continues to develop uh, his hands, I'm not too worried about that. 
you know, again, you look at Melvin Gordon, what he was able to do uh, since he's been a charger catching the football out of the backfield. I think Jonathan Taylor, absolutely worthy of a first round pick in the top half of round number one. Now, another guy who I think was at the top of a lot of people's lists as a as the number one wide out in this, or I'm sorry, number one running back in this class because he was the best receiver is DeAndre Swift. You know, 5'9", 215 pound junior. Um, this is a guy who doesn't have a ton of wear on his legs, just 354 carries in his career as he, you know, he played behind, uh, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, uh, Nick Chubb and uh, um, Elijah Holyfield. Now, Jonathan Taylor on the flip side, 763 carries through three seasons. Well, really two and a half there for Wisconsin. Now, DeAndre Swift uh, in 2018, over a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, that's, you know, 6.4 yards per carry. 32 receptions as well, 297 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, through seven games this year, 752 yards on the ground, 6.8 yards per carry, and seven touchdowns to go along with 13 receptions. He's got 62 receptions in his career. Looks like a much more polished receiver at this point. You know, uh, I, what I appreciate on a wheel route, the ability to track the football over his shoulder and, and really you know be a hands catcher. You don't want to let the ball get into your body, especially as a running back. If you're not used to catching the football, uh, you know you want to be able to uh, catch the football with your hands uh, and not let it, let it get into the body where the defender can make a play. Uh, now in 2017, you know it's crazy. He had just one game with with ten, you know, ten carries. Um, you know, but by 2018, um, you know, had a hundred yards in, in four of the last five games. Um, you know, eight multi-reception games. Um, you know, three three games with four receptions. Had six versus Bama, and then five versus Texas in the bowl game, which really kind of springboarded himself into this season. You know, that's really where everyone was looking at him as the guy when you're talking about the running backs. Because man, DeAndre Swift, man, he's catching all these footballs. Eleven in his final two games of the 2018 college football season. 2019. You know, he's got five games, um, you know, with 10 plus carries, um, you know, and, and three games over 100 yards and, uh, you know, I- including the last two games, you know, 113 yards against South Carolina, 179 yards against Kentucky. Um, you know, so I think that's one of the things that is quite impressive you know, with, with DeAndre Swift is he's sharing the backfield even this year. You know, he's got, you know, Zamir White, he's got Brian Herrien, uh, James Cook in the backfield with him, and he's still able to get the job done in his career, um, you know, over 2,000 yards, over 2,400 yards, uh, 20 touchdowns, 6.8 yards per carry. And DeAndre Swift, like I said, more of a polished uh, receiver, more polished route runner at this point. Um he has a chance. You know, you look at Sony Michelle, another guy there at Georgia. I mentioned Nick Chubb, forgot Sony Michelle. But you see Sony Michelle down at the at the end of round number one. I think DeAndre Swift has a chance to um, be a late first round pick. Now, if DeAndre Swift is a late first round pick, what about Travis Etienne? You know, the 5'10, 215 pound junior out of Clemson, 1,100 yard games to his, uh, to his credit at this point, including two 200 uh, yard seasons. Um, you know, he came to Clemson and, uh, you know, had two 100 yard games, uh, with only two games with 10 plus carries, uh, which I thought was, was interesting. Um, you know, finished with a touchdown 
um, in four of the last five games of his freshman season, which springboarded him into 2018, over 1,600 yards on the ground, 8.1 yards per carry, 24 touchdowns, led to being seventh in the Heisman voting. You know, he had 800-yard games in that game, um, you know, which I thought was was just staggering, and only two games without a touchdown. You know, Etienne, I think what you really saw with him was the explosiveness, his ability to take the top, uh, you know, really go go the distance on any given play. Uh, that was one of the things that I think really stood out was his ability to just, he, he had the speed to get to the outside and he's going to outrun you. Um, but the question was really, did he have any power? And that's one of the things that I've seen this year watching and studying Travis Etienne is he has that ability now, um, you know, after he puts his foot in the ground, gets north and south, that he's able to run through arm tackles. He's running through contact. You know, the balance is better. And uh, he's not just known as a speed back anymore. And so I think that's really important for his draft stock, you know, because he's not just a change of pace back. He can, you know, shoulder the load. Um, even though he's getting a little bit, a uh, little bit of help in the backfield from Lin J. Uh, Dixon this year, um, you know, through seven games, 781 yards on the ground, eight uh, yards per carry, six touchdowns, um, you know, three games over 100 yards, including uh, 200, 205 yards against George Tech, uh, two games with, uh, you know, with four receptions as well. Um, he's a guy, 32 receptions in his career, ha- uh, just just about half of those. Uh, have come this past season. So a lot of these guys, these running backs, you know, they don't get a ton of time out on the field uh, the first couple of years. Um, so they're really making the most of being more of a pass catcher, you know, evolving as a running back as they as they go. And, uh, you know, I think for Etienne, you know, he's continuing to develop. And for me, he's not the polished guy. When you look at, you know, when we talk about these running backs and who's going to be taken in round number one, you know, the polish. You know, and and Sony Michelle and Saquon Barkley uh, in, in 2018, Rashad Penny, kind of a surprise, kind of that outlier a little bit. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs, you know, and his ability, you know, to to catch the football as well as you know run with power and speed. Uh, Leonard Fournette, Christian McCaffrey, um, you know, some of these guys just really just polished running backs. Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Todd Gurley, and 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 Melvin Gordon. You know, when you think of of, of running backs coming out. Those were names that absolutely popped out to you and said, you know what, these are guys that are polished running backs that are going to be um, guys who can make it at the at the next level. Not only make it, but really make an impact early on in their career. And I think you know, for Travis Etienne, still developing in a, in a couple of areas. You know, Jonathan Taylor for me, I, I think he's more of the Melvin Gordon type to me from the standpoint of he does everything so well with running the football that that pass catching is going to come. I think with Travis Etienne, you know, really wanting to see him evolve as a runner so that he's not just a one trick pony, you know, put your foot in the ground, get North and South, show a little bit of a wiggle in, in the open field to make guys miss. And then, you know, really run by everybody and, and, and score. You know, you've got to be able to, to break tackles. You've got to be able to be elusive and uh, Travis Etienne really showing that he can do everything and that's going to bode well for him with his draft stock. Could he end up being a first-round pick? Sure. I mean, the top four running backs uh, in this draft class could very well end up being first-round picks. Um, but I think what's going to end up happening is you're probably going to have two, maybe three running backs taken uh, in round number one. If you're wondering, you know, in terms of, of first-round picks, when do we have, you know, when you're talking about first-rounders, you know, we had... Uh, just one last year, three in 2018, three in 2017. Um, 
let's see, we had three in 2012. That was when Tra- uh, Trent Richardson, Doug Martin, and David Wilson were taken in round number one. But you know, you have to kind of scan through things. 2009, we had three running backs taken in, in the first round. So you had to really go back to 2008. Darren McFadden, Jonathan Stewart, Felix Jones, Richard Mendenhall, uh, and Chris Johnson all going in round number one in, in 2008. So we had to go back you know, quite a long time to find a draft where we had at least four running backs taken in the draft. So I think when you're talking about Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, you know, look to be the most polished, but, uh, you know, Travis Etienne and the next guy I'm going to talk about, J.K. Dobbins out of Ohio State, uh, are definitely two guys that are on the rise. And I wouldn't be surprised if these guys sneak into the end of the first round, just based on the fact that you look at what these guys are, you know, guys are doing at the next level. Uh, Nick Chubb was a guy who I thought could sneak into round number one was at the top of round two. And he's shown that he can be uh, the guy there in Cleveland. So when you're talking about that JK Dobbins, Hey, if you don't get drafted in round number one, hopefully you get drafted early in day on day two, just like Nick Chubb did. And uh, I think because of Nick Chubb's success, there could be a team who could trade up and get Jake uh, JK Dobbins there at the end of round number one. Now, JK Dobbins, five of 10, 217 pound junior, Shared the backfield with Mike Weber uh, his first two seasons. Really burst onto the scene as a freshman. His first game against Syracuse, 29 carries, over 180 yards. Uh, you know, really just kind of emerged as the guy. You know, he took over the starting job from Mike Weber. Six games with over 100 yards. Six games with multi receptions as well. Over 1,400 yards on the ground. Uh, 22 receptions as well. Um, you know, in, in 2018, went over a thousand yards again, only 4.6 yards per carry, 10 touchdowns, 26 receptions. Things kind of slowed down, you know, uh, a little bit from their running game. You know, Dwayne Haskins had to really take over uh, that offense down the stretch um, because of the ineffectiveness for them running the football. I mean, you can see that the drop off there, 4.6 yards per carry. Back in twenty, you know, here in twenty nineteen, through uh, through seven games, seven point one yards per carry. That's nine hundred forty seven yards on the ground, seven touchdowns to go along with ten receptions, fifty eight receptions in his career, uh, over thirty four hundred yards, uh, twenty four touchdowns. He's going to be the first Ohio State Buckeye to rush for a thousand yards and three straight his you know three straight seasons since Archie Griffin, two time Heisman Award winner Archie Griffin. Uh, you know, in 2018, he still had managed three games of 100 yards, um, you know, two games with, with over 20 carries, one game with, with 30 carries, eight games with multi-receptions, uh, 2019, um, five games over 100 yards and a touchdown in all but one game so far this year. To me, J.K. Dobbins is just running, he's running with more purpose. You know, I think that's one of the things that that really is is evident. You know, you see the vision, his cutback ability, you know, he sees the lanes, um, you know, he runs physically between the tackles. He's a guy who's going to run through contact, excellent balance. Uh, and then the hands, you know, he's another polished, polished receiver, 57, you know, 58 receptions in his career. Um, you know, when you look at that, you know, he and Deandre Swift, obviously the more polished, uh, pass catchers in this crop of, uh, of running backs, but, you know, I, I think, you know, with the way Ohio state's offense is playing, you know, with, uh, Justin Fields, really able to throw the ball at will, uh, you know, it's creating a lot of opportunities for J.K. Dobbins. You know, really the question is, is, is Justin Fields in that, that passing attack 
opening up the running game, or is it really J.K. Dobbins that's opening up all these throwing lanes uh, for the Buckeyes? It may very well end up being the latter. So those are the top four, and I, I know Oklahoma State, uh, you know, Cowboy fans are going to be pounding uh, the table. You know, they want me to be talking about Chuba Hubbard, the 6'1", 207-pound redshirt sophomore. Why is he not in there? Why is he not up higher? He's having a phenomenal year, and absolutely, yes, he is. You know, you look at Chuba Hubbard, his redshirt freshman year, I think I got frustrated. If you listen to my podcast last year, you'll know, where's just you know just, uh, Justice Hill? Why isn't he carrying the ball? I said one of two things. Either Justice Hill is hurt or in the dog, you know, dog, uh, doghouse, or Chuba Hubbard is that good. And I think it's really was the, was the latter. You know, that's proving to be true. In 2018, um, you know, six yards per carry, 700, uh, 740 yards, and seven touchdowns to go along with 22 receptions. Um, you know, so that that was one of the things that you really saw kind of jumping off. Uh, off the game, you know, 100 yards in three of the last four games, 13 receptions during that time as well. Um, 2019, just really shot out of a cannon. He's already at 1,265 yards and 15 touchdowns. Uh, just six receptions, though, coming out of the backfield. But uh, in 2019, through seven games, um, let's see, you know, 20 carry, 20 plus carries in, in most of his games. Um, let's see, 30 plus carries in four games, um, you know, which is staggering, you know, six, 100 yard, uh, 100 yards, 100 yard rushing games. Uh, I'll get that right. Um, six, 100 yard rushing games. There we go. Three games that actually went over 200 yards and a touchdown in every game, five of which have multi touchdown games, multi receptions in five of the seven games, even though he only has six receptions, uh, wait a minute, that can't be right. Multi-receptions in five of the seven games, but he has six receptions. Well, in, in any event, you know, he's already over 2,000 uh, 2, yards in his career in just two seasons, and we're not even through the entire 2019 season. So, yes, he is absolutely dynamic. You know, he, he has uh, tremendous speed, I think more speed than you were expecting uh, from this guy. You know, he runs with some power, but you know, I, I would like to see him run with a little bit more power. Um, you know, I think he goes down a little too easily at times. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely has a lower body strength to carry the pile. So it makes me wonder if maybe this just a balance thing, uh, more than anything else. But I think Chuba Hubbard at one point he was leading the, the league or leading the FBS in rushing and Tylen Wallace was leading the country in receiving, you know, Oklahoma state, you know, their offense always on fire. And, and you know, for me, when I watch Chuba Hubbard play, you know, his, his play just, it, it, it jumps off, jumps off the, off the tape. You know, he's just a guy who always seems to make the right decision. You know, he, he, he makes the right reads. I'm going to go ahead and make this cut back. And, uh, you know, it usually goes for, for a big gainer. Um, you know, I'm flipping through my, my notebook here to take a look at the game against Baylor. You know, vision to see cutback lanes, leg drive for extra yards to finish, burst through the hole, uh, let's see, steps out of a tackle, and uh, then down the sideline, runs through two more tackles to finish, a three-yard touchdown, uh, run play to the short side, had the speed to get to the edge, uh, to get to the front pylon, lowers his pads to run over Blake Lynch, the linebacker on the edge, uh, speed to the edge, 
Uh, so you can see, as I'm reading these notes, he's a guy who likes to get to the edge, doesn't run the ball between the tackles quite as much, but he's so effective on the perimeter. That's one of the things you do want to see at the next level is, is, is he going to be a guy who's going to be just as effective between the tackles? Because look, if you get out there on the perimeter, everybody's going to be running fast. You know, And that's one of the things Kyler Murray said was, hey, all the holes are there, but by the time I get there, those holes have already closed up at the next level. Those were holes that I was running through in college, and they're just not there anymore. Chuba Hubbard would you know, end up losing, learning that the hard way. I want to see him run the ball between the tackles a little bit more. Um, you know, is he going to come out? You know, that's, that's going to be the big question. Um, you know, I think Spencer Sanders, the quarterback, the way that he's played, I think Chuba Hubbard may come back. You know, let's, let's you know, make a run at OU in Texas in Big 12 play with a dynamic quarterback like that be interesting to see what happens. I think especially with these four running backs at the top, he's going to have to try to separate himself and maybe hoove him to come back for one more year. Now, outside of those top five, there are going to be a lot of running backs that are going to be pushing for for the top spot. Uh, Eno Benjamin, the junior out of uh, Arizona State, 5'10", 201 pounds. This is a guy who really had a breakout 2018 season, really made everyone take notice of what he was doing out there on the field. Uh, Third-team All-American in 2018, uh, first-team All-Pac-12, the first ASU running back in the top 10 in rushing yards, um, nine 100-yard running games, including 312 yards, three touchdowns uh, against Oregon State. Um, over 100 yards in five of his last three games, um, only three games without multiple receptions as well. Um, so it, it's it, it was an pr- impressive performance in 2018. Through seven games this year, 140 carries, 633 yards. That's only 4.5 yards per carry, which is down uh, a full yard per carry from a season ago. Uh, seven touchdowns, but he does have 19 receptions. Had 35 all of last season, so he's already uh, more than halfway to that total. Uh, you know, 463 carries in three seasons. Um, you know, over 2,400 yards, 12 touchdowns in his career, 59 receptions. Um, you know, when you talk about that 2018 season, um, you know, we, we mentioned the 300 yards against Oregon State 2019. To, as a comparison, um, you know, 100 yards in four of the seven games. You know, in 2018, nine games with over 100 yards. So, you know, he may he's he's really going to have to pick things up if he wants to equal those numbers. And it'll be interesting to see. Does Eno Benjamin come out, or does he stay for one more year? Uh, he's kind of the leader of that that offense. That's you know that Herman Edwards has running there uh, for the Sun Devils in Tempe. Um, Herman Edwards has got something going there for for the Sun Devils. They um, in just his second year had him ranked. Uh, at one point, um, and Eno Benjamin really hasn't been as much of a factor as you'd like to see him. Um, the thing with Eno Benjamin for me, when I whenever I watch him play, is the balance. I think that's one of the things that just jumps off the film. Uh, his ability to, you know, really, the, it's a patented spin move. You know, through contact, he spins out of contact left and right. And, uh, you know, pro football focus a season ago, 94 missed tackles, which was third in the FBS, um, to go along with 31 explosive runs, which was fifth among running backs, according to pro football focus. Um, gosh, and, you know, 81 first downs, which was third in the FBS. Thank you, pro football focus, for those numbers. So, you know, he's one of those guys who's just um, always, you know, he's so slippery. You know, the, the, the spin moves, you know, and the thing with it is, is there's no real wasted movement with that either. He's able to sink his hips, 
get into that spin move and just, you know, it's, it's hard to tackle uh, that, that spinning target. You know, that's a moving target going away from you often. And so if you're trying to wrap up in one spot and he's spinning and going to a different spot, you know, you're likely going to end up grabbing a leg that he's able to then pull out of there and then get back up field. The thing with, with Eno too is, is that he has that burst so that once he's out of contact, he's going to be or out of that tackle, he's going to be able to make plays down the football field. You know, I just would like to see a little bit more consistency out of him. Um, you know, this this season, Eno Benjamin. You know, he could very well end up being a, a back that decides to enter this draft. But I also wouldn't be surprised to see him come back for one more year, especially getting to play with that that freshman quarterback uh, there in uh, in Tempe with ASU. Sticking to the Pac-12, how about Zach Moss? You know, 5'11", 222 pounds. The senior is one of the more dynamic uh, running backs in this year's draft class. Why am I not mentioning him higher, you may ask? Well, the reason really is durability. This is a guy who just can't seem to really stay healthy. I think that's the most frustrating thing more than anything else because when you look at what he's been able to do, um, over 1,100 yards in 2017, 10 touchdowns to go along with 29 receptions. 2018, just played in nine games and uh, still over 1,000 yards, 11 touchdowns on the year. You know, he's played in six games this year, got hurt against USC, a shoulder injury, uh, 613 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, you know, he, I believe he's he, at one point he was leading the FBS in broken tackles and, uh, you know, a guy that did that a season ago was David Montgomery. David Montgomery was was always breaking tackles, the lateral agility to to make people miss. Uh, you know, Zach Moss is is a guy who's just gonna run through you. I and mean, you know, 222 pounds, he's so powerfully built, big, thick legs, and, and just able to run through contact, lower the pad level, and he's gonna punish you, you know, whenever he can. Um, you know, so he makes you know that makes him really fun to watch. Uh, you know, as he's as he's getting through things, you know, 570 carries in his career, over 3,200 yards. Uh, one of the top, I think he's the number two rusher. Maybe he's actually the the leading rusher now in Utah history. I think he's finally hit that mark. 31 touchdowns in his career, 43 receptions. If he can stay healthy, and that's a big if right now, but if he can stay healthy, I think Zach Moss could end up being a guy. Um, you know, he'll probably be a, a late day two, possibly even an early day three, depending on, on, on his medical, you know, if, if the medical clears, he should be, uh, you know, an early day two pick, you know, it's, it's you know, just based on the talent alone, you know, but my thing is, and I said it last week when I was talking about LaVisca Chenault, I don't care how good you are, how dynamic you are. If you can't get out onto the football field because of injury, you're not going to be very effective. You, you're not going to be all that effective for a team who's going to be drafting you high. Um, so, you know, with Zach Moss, he's going to have to show that he can be, you know, he can stay healthy. And if he can do that, because his game is really built on contact, being physical. And uh, if he can show that he can stay healthy, then I think Zach Moss is going to move up draft boards. But I, I really worry that, uh, you know, that's going to really hinder uh, him moving up uh, draft boards for some teams. Now, Cam Akers out of Florida State, 5'11", 212-pound junior. As a freshman, absolute beast. Over 1,000 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, and seven touchdowns to go along with 16 receptions. Uh, in 2018, though, uh, and this was Willie Taggart's first year, 
saw a little bit of a regression in his game. 706 yards on the ground, 4.4 yards per carry, and six touchdowns. Did have 23 receptions, so saw an uptick there. But what I really was seeing out of Cam Akers was, you know, the the vision was gone. You know, he'd he'd have cutback, a uh, cutback lane back to the inside. You know, especially because he'd have a a defensive back with outside leverage, and instead of you know making that cutback lane through a hole and a hole was sitting right there, he'd still try to beat that that uh, defensive back one-on-one to the outside and ultimately would get wrapped up for little to no gain. Uh, this year, much more explosive back. You know, the explosion is back um, with, with Cam Akers uh, through seven games, over 700 yards, 773 to be exact, uh, up to five uh, yards per carry, eight touchdowns, 19 receptions as well. Um, so this is the guy who... Let's see, he's got 58, right? Yeah, 58 receptions in his career to this point. Um, you know, and, and when you're looking at the you know nine games over 100 yards, including uh, four of the seven this year. Um, so he's he's a back who has the talent to be. Uh, to be special, to be a guy who can uh, ultimately be a a workhorse and be a number one for a team, um, but you're just you're waiting for for him to really have that breakout game uh, since that freshman year. That freshman year, you know, he broke Dalvin Cook's freshman rushing record at Florida State. Um, you know, 1,025 yards on just 194 carries. Um, you know, he's somebody who I, I think definitely. Um, can continue to improve, you know, improve his draft stock throughout the rest of the season. Florida State may not be playing all that well, but if he shows the effort, much like Brian Burns did a season ago, you know, Brian Burns, this was a team that was struggling, that really wasn't going anywhere. Yeah, Brian Burns, with his effort, he was a guy who was playing at a high level, and the NFL rewarded him with a first round pick because he was so dynamic. Because he's a guy, you know what? You're playing to your potential on a bad team. NFL franchises are still going to recognize that. Now, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt is one of the more dynamic running backs in this year's draft. He's so explosive, so fast. And that's one of the things that I think really jumps off the off the film. He started his career at, uh, let's see, started his career at uh, Illinois for two, the, two seasons in 2015 and 2016. A total of eight starts there for the Illini. Newcomer of the year to, in the Big 12 in 2015. Uh, 723 yards on the ground, six touchdowns. Also had 16 receptions. Um, academic All-Big 10 in, in 2016. Had two games um, over, I'm sorry, had a second game because uh, he had one in 2015, but a second game over 100 yards in 2016 before deciding to transfer to Vanderbilt in 2017, sat out the 2017 season in 2018, had the second most rushing yards in Vanderbilt history. I'll let you think about that just for one sec. Second most in Vanderbilt history in his first season there as a junior, over 1,200 yards, 1,244 yards, 7.9 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns, also had 13 receptions as well. Um, had six rushes of, of 60-plus yards, which was first among SEC running backs. Uh, five 100-yard games, including 182 yards against Mizzou, uh, which was the most by a Vanderbilt running back against an SEC opponent. Um, you know, had a three-game stretch, um, you know, 172 yards and three touchdowns against Arkansas, 182 yards and a touchdown against Mizzou, and 127 yards and a touchdown against Ole Miss. 
Um, then he went with, um, you know, 243 yards and two touchdowns against Baylor and a 45-38 loss in the Texas Bowl. Um, you know, five games with at least two receptions. Um, so Keyshawn Vaughn, we were expecting a lot out of him coming into uh, the 2019 season, really expecting him to take his game to the next level, much like J.K. Dobbins has. And we haven't quite seen that because Vanderbilt, you know, let's be be honest, they've struggled this year, you know, expecting Riley Neal to step in and and uh, really set the tone. Kyle Shermer being gone, Riley Neal showed some promise at Ball State coming in to, to be the starter there for the Commodores. Hasn't really worked out. You know, Jared Pinkney has, has kind of underperformed at the tight end position. Kalijah Lipscomb was a top receiver in the SEC a season ago, and uh, you know he's not quite at that level this year. So the team struggled as a whole through seven games. Uh, still has 703 yards on the ground, 5.4 yards per carry, um, you know, which you know is, is much lower than what he did a season ago at that 7.9 clip. Uh, let's see. You know, six touchdowns. He does have 21 receptions so far on the year. You know, 59 receptions, 601 yards, and three touchdowns to go along with um, just under 3,000 yards uh, rushing uh, and 27 touchdowns in his career. 505 carries. So you're talking about, you know, about 560 touches so far in the career. So when you're talking about running backs and wear and tear, um, you know, that that's something that, uh, you know, through his first three seasons – had, uh, let's see, just 217 carries with the Illini. And then so far this year, you know, between, you know, uh, this year, 131 carries, season ago, uh, 157. So he's already uh, surpassing the the total that he had for the Illini. So I I think having that extra year in between that red shirt year, if you will, uh, to transfer may actually help in terms of, you know, that wear, as I was talking about with his legs. Uh, total 100-yard games, had 10 100-yard games, uh, three games with four receptions as well. Um, in the win against Missouri this year, uh, 29 carries for 96 yards. That was just 3.3 yards per carry. Had a touchdown, four receptions, 80 yards in its score. You know, Vanderbilt you know, trying to resurrect their season. Uh, big win there over Missouri. Now, the Michael Pirine out of Florida... You know, this was a guy who was sharing the backfield uh, with Jordan Scarlett. You know, this year he's he's really the guy. 5'11", 216 pounds. And, uh, you know, with, with Michael, you know, this year, let's see, through eight games, just 99 carries, 461 yards, four touchdowns. You know, that's 2,200 yards in his career, 20 touchdowns to go along with 54 receptions, uh, 22 of which are, you know, in this season against Auburn, had 14 carries, 130 yards, and a touchdown. That was his only game over 100 yards. And look, here's the deal with with Michael P. Ryan. He has the explosiveness and the ability to to go the distance, um, but with, running behind that offensive line has really been kind of a struggle. This is a, a line that had to replace uh, the likes of, of Jawan Taylor, Martez Ivy, and and Fred Johnson. And so I think it's been slow slow going at times, but there's no questioning his ability to you know to really fight for extra yards. He somehow finds yards when there's just nothing there. And next thing you know, he's falling forward for three and four yards. Uh, that's one of the things that I think is very admirable. And the thing too is is 
when you get him out in space as a receiver, shows excellent hands. Um, to me, I think Michael Pirine is, is kind of underrated. You know, you see the effort. Um, you know, he, he's really a guy who is always going to run hard and uh, runs behind his pads, has that forward lean that, to him as well. Um, he's someone that I think if a team gives him a chance, gives him a shot, you know, he's used to sharing the backfield. I, I think Michael Pirine might surprise some people. Now, Najee Harris out of Alabama, 6'2", 230 pounds, uh, a season ago had more yards than uh, than Josh Jacobs, who was drafted in the first round, 117 carries, 783 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, through seven games for Bama, 556 yards uh, and three touchdowns. Um, now, here's the deal with, with Najee Harris. There's no doubt that he's physical. There's no doubt that he can get north and south. He's he's a bit of a downhill runner, one cut and go type of a guy. Um, you know, you saw him, and we talked about him previously, and I talked about him possibly moving into that upper echelon of the running back position. But the more I watch him, the more I study him. Is yes, he can make you know make the catch out of the backfield. He does have 16 receptions this year. Um, had only four receptions in his career coming into 20, uh, 2019, but he just lacks that burst. And those bigger, bigger running backs. You know, he's at 230 pounds. You look at Bo Scarborough. You know, he was a guy who really struggled with this 40 time. His stock dropped tremendously. I worry about that for Najee Harris. I'd like to see him come back for one more year to really hone him. You know, his skills really improve upon that that 40 time. And uh, you know, that's something that I, I just I don't know. Um, you know where he's going to be. It may be just it is what it is with with him. Um, but he did show some decent hands. Actually, hurdle the guy, so there is some uh, some athleticism there to him. Some twitchiness in in the lower body. Um, you know he just isn't always displaying that uh, consistently. So you know, that was let's see. That was my top 11. Really, I, I think if you go to the website, I've got two guys tied at uh, number 10 overall, and that's, you know, Michael Pirine and Najee Harris. I've got a few other backs. I've got six more that I wanted to talk about. Now, the first one is Kylan Hill, the junior uh, for AM, you know, 5'11, 215 pounds. Uh, let's see, over 1,700 yards in his career, 11 touchdowns uh, in seven games in 2019. 643 yards, uh, five touchdowns, eight, just eight receptions in 2019. Had 22 a season ago. Now in 2019, had uh, you know four straight games over 100 yards. Now with that, that was against uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Southern Miss, K State, and uh, and Kentucky. In his last three games, going against more formidable defenses against the likes of Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU, 92 total yards. So, you know, I think everyone jumped on the hype train with, with Kylan Hill. Is it so much his his offensive line? Um, you know, is it the defense, you know, that when he went up against some of the more dynamic uh, defenses in the SEC? Um, I, I think there's no question that this is a kid who has some has some speed to him. Has a decent power as well, excellent balance, um, decent hands coming out of the backfield. But I think what was most impressive for me was watching him pass block. And I mentioned that last week against LSU, Grant Delpit coming off the edge. And uh, Delpit ultimately got around the corner on the left tackle. And Kylan Hill saw that. He was really on the right side of the line, turned his head, peeled back, and was able to kind of get a chip on the diving Grant Delpit to ensure that 
his quarterback, Garrett Schrader, uh, didn't get hit by Delpit. And I thought it was really an athletic move. It was very, uh, you know, re- really good awareness as a as a pass protector. And that's something to me, I think that shows something. Is Kylan Hill going to come out after this year? Probably not. I don't think he's had um, quite the season. Um, you know, the first four games, absolutely explosive. Um, the last three games, not so much. So, you know, what he's going to have to prove the rest of the season is that, you know what, those first four games were not a fluke. Um, if he can get right the ship, you know, there's a chance that he can end up being a top 10 back because of what he can do in the passing game. I, I just don't know right now. Jury's still out there. Now, A.J. Dillon, I mean, this guy looks like a beast when you see him. I mean, he he wins the award for the guy that walks off the bus and you like, you check things off. This guy's an absolute football player. Six foot, 250 pounds, out of Boston College, the junior uh, really burst onto the scene in 2017. Uh, you know, 300 carries uh, that season, over 1,500 yards, 5.3 yards per carry, 14 touchdowns. Uh, in 2018, played in just 10 games. He was really battling a high ankle sprain, and we know what high ankle sprains can do to guys. You know, Bryce Love um, not only did it bother him, um, you know, in, in uh, 2017, but it did so in, in 2018 as well. Really, kind of hampered. Um, you know his his uh, his running style, and with AJ Dillon, despite the the high ankle sprain, uh, you know still over 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns on on the year. But you know it, it limited. I think it did limit his his uh, effectiveness. But in 2019, clean bill of health. He's been healthy and he's back to that freshman form. 968 yards. Uh, he's second to only Chuba Hubbard in terms of yardage. 5.4 yards per carry, which is the most in his career to this point. Nine touchdowns. Uh, already has seven receptions. Why is that important? Well, he didn't have any his freshman year and just eight a season ago. Um, so he's somebody who I think, you know, another guy who needs to show that he can he can catch the football out of the backfield. 705 carries so far for over 3,600 yards and 33 touchdowns. That's 705 carries. That's a lot of wear on, on a running back. Um you know, those, those wheels you, you have to start worrying about a little bit. But uh, 17 games, over 100 yards. Uh, in the last seven games, uh, his freshman year, 1,236 yards on the ground and 12 touchdowns. Um, and, you know, five, game, five games this year, uh, you know, five, uh, five touchdowns. I'm sorry, five games over 100 yards. And against NC State this last game, 34 carries, 223 yards, and three touchdowns. Um, you know, he's just continuing to get better and better as the season goes along. And he's a guy who's just going to wear down defenses. He's big, he's physical. He likes to get North and South. He's not somebody who's going to dance at all. And, uh, you know, the thing with him is, is he runs people over, but you watch him and you're like, man, this guy, he's pulling away from people. And you're not expecting that from a guy who's six foot and 250 pounds. They say he runs a four or five. He's one of those guys I can't wait for the combine because I really want to see what this guy runs. If he runs a four or five, you can expect teams are going to you know really watch that draft stock shoot up exponentially. So AJ Dillon, I hope he stays healthy. If he does, he'll be a guy to watch uh, come the pre-draft process. Joshua Kelly, uh, the transfer I believe from Sac State, uh, 5'11", 219 pounds for UCLA. 
um, was a bright, you know, a bright spot there for Chip Kelly's team a season ago, uh, 2018, uh, 1,243 yards on the ground, 12 touchdowns, 27 receptions out of the backfield as well. Six games over a hundred yards receiving, uh, you know, against USC, 40 carries, 289 yards at 7.2 yards per carry and two touchdowns in a win over the Trojans. Uh, 2019, he's been battling some injuries, battling in the ankle injury, um, but he's had 100 over 100 yards in two of the last three games against Arizona and Stanford. Uh, you know, big win there against the Stanford Cardinal. Um, 571 yards on the ground, three touchdowns, eight receptions to his credit as well. Hopefully, Joshua Kelly can stay healthy. You know, I, I think he's somebody who can be effective at the next level. I like his running style. Um, you know, another guy who runs with attitude, runs with purpose, and uh, you know, he's someone who. You know, if he can continue to stay healthy, I think he's getting better. I think he's finally gotten his legs underneath him, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him put on a string now of 100-yard games. Now, Darius Anderson of TCU, 5'11 to 212 pounds. He's a guy, to me, he's had to share the backfield with with a, a, you know, a bevy of running backs, including uh, Sewa Alanalua. Uh, who himself, um, you know, is a guy who could be a sleeper uh, when it's all said and done. But you know, he he has t- 362 carries in his career, over just under 2,200 yards on the ground and 18 touchdowns. But uh, you know, three games over 100 yards this year, and he's somebody who I think he he's showing an ability to hit the hole. You know, some speed to run away from people. And uh, he's showing off some versatility, catching the football out of the backfield as well. I think Darius Anderson, uh, you know, TCU, uh, because they are spreading the love around in the backfield, every time, you know, I think Alana Lua is kind of your, 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 your hammer, whereas Darius Anderson is a guy who is, is going to potentially take a top off of a defense. You know, and, and so I think Darius Anderson, for me, is a guy who teams – may not be as high on, you know, in terms of production, but a guy who I think, you know, is going to be a better pro than he was uh, a collegiate running back. Now, a guy who's kind of been bit with uh, an injury bug, Rodney Smith out of uh, out of Minnesota. Big reason why he and Shannon Brooks, another guy who's battled some injuries uh, for the Golden Gophers, they're a big reason why uh, PJ Flex team is undefeated. 5'11, 210 pounds. Came to, uh, he's really a, a six year senior uh, because he came there in 2014, redshirted. Uh, 2015, over 600 yards on the ground, 16 receptions. 2016, uh, 1100, over 1,100 yards, 16 touchdowns uh, to go along with 23 receptions. 2017, another big year, 977 yards on the ground, three touchdowns. Uh, you know, a guy who's continuing to show he can catch the football out of the backfield. Then in 2018, slowed with the injury, just two games under his belt. Um, but he's shown he can stay healthy this year. He's sharing the backfield, sharing the wealth. Um, uh, just 137 carries so far this year, 786 yards, 5.7 yards per carry, which is the most in his career, and six touchdowns. So in his career, a lot of carries, 788 total, uh, over 3,700 yards, 12, uh, 27 touchdowns, 63 receptions. He's a guy who just runs hard. He's physical. He runs between, hard between the tackles, runs behind his pads. He's very patient, allows his blockers um, to really – uh, get on on their blocks before he uh, 
uh, cuts up the field so he's not getting too far ahead of himself. He allows those plays to develop before he puts his foot in the ground and gets north and south. A guy who's shown a, a bit of a burst at the second level as well. Uh, I'm glad, I'm really happy for him that he's having the year that he's had. The medicals are going to have to check out, but he's a guy who I think could be a day three pick and end up sticking with the roster and be a, a surprise for teams. And then finally, Xavier Jones out of SMU, 5'11", 208 pounds. When you think of SMU, you think of the pat, you know, the the high profile passing attack, and and you know Skip Dykes, what he's doing there. Um, you know, I'm sorry, Sonny Dykes, um, really doing a, a tremendous job with the Mustangs and Xavier Jones. Um, you know, when you look at his numbers, you know, over 500 carries, 2,900 yards, 34 touchdowns, 63 receptions, though, for over four, uh, 450 yards, three touchdowns as well. Has 11 games over 100 yards. And uh, never, you know, he had 1,000 yards in 2017. Um, but uh, since then, he hasn't eclipsed that, that total just yet. But uh, through seven games this year, he's definitely going to get there, barring injury. Seven uh, 151 yards on the ground, 12 touchdowns. Um, he's a weapon and a guy who I think is going to probably be a day three pick, fourth, fifth round, sixth round, possibly even. But uh, his ability to be versatile, teams are going to be looking for those guys. You know, if you remember, I was talking about the Austin Ecklers and the the Tariq Cohens, guys who can be that that uh, change of pace back. Naeem Hines. Uh, and I think Xavier Jones can absolutely be that guy. So those are the running backs that I'm keeping an eye out for. I hope you will as well throughout the rest of the, the college football season. So that will allow us to transition to what I saw last week. So that's going to really take a, take a look at the games that I was able to watch and, uh, Let's see. As I go through my notes, you know, and if you haven't listened to my podcast, I I'm old school. I like to to write write things down. That's really kind of how I remember things more than anything else. But uh, Ohio State Northwestern, fifty two to three, in that game. Chase Young, once again showing you know absolute beast. You know the stutter off the ball versus the right tackle. Quick arm over uh, to the inside, close in a hurry on the quarterback for a sack. Right tackle overset a bit, and he took advantage of that. So explosive with his get off, using his hands to slap the left tackle's hands away. Um, you know, he's just he's so quick. Starts up the field, spin move back to the inside. Uh, just a, a really dynamic, dynamic edge rusher. Uh, you know, just, uh, Jeffrey Akuda, 6'1", 200 pounds, a junior. Press man coverage, you know, uh, really just leaving a tight window um, for uh, you know the quarterbacks there. Aiden Smith uh, really struggling to to find a, an opening there against Jeffrey Akuda. Uh, you know, after a while, he finally decided I'm not really throwing his way. Um, but Joe Gaziano, you know, the 6'4", 275 pounder who I've said you know kind of reminds me of Dean Lowry of of the Packers. He was showing a, a nice rip move to disengage turning the corner, beating the right tackle, uh, chasing down the quarterback all the way to the opposite side of the field, uh, getting a tackle for no gain. Um, you know, he's kind of stiff hips, you know, stiff hips turning turning the corner, stiff hipped, um, but works hard to, to get around the edge and get to the quarterback. He's a guy who I think, he's 6'4", 275. I think he could be a, a 3-4 defensive end uh, at the next level. Fresno State beating UNLV 56-27. Uh, um, you know, Michael Walker, the defensive end linebacker hybrid, 
nine tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass breakup in that game. He's a guy, he's 6'3", 230 pounds. He's going to be uh, a 34 outside linebacker. Um, showed a really good job as a stand-up rusher, shooting through the A-gap to drop the running back for loss. Um, downhill on, on punt cover. Um, you know, hit the running, hit the punt returner right after he caught the ball. Really a big hit, um, kind of a momentum changer there. Um, you know, he's a guy who, you know, moved from right to left in the passing lane, reading the quarterback's eyes, got his hand up in the passing lane to knock a pass down. Uh, Houston against Connecticut. You wouldn't really think that that would be a game to watch, but man, I got to watch Josh Jones and Matt Parrott go up against each other. Now, Houston won the game 24-17, but uh, I think Matt Parrott really showed up a little bit better than than Josh Jones. Now, look, Josh Jones is 6'7", 310 pounds, um, very easy mover in pass protection. Uh, I think he's pretty light on his feet, um, you know, quick to get out of his stance, um, you know, showed the... You know, good agility as well. Getting out on a screen pass in front of Kyle Porter. Got a kick-out block on a cornerback. Definitely an easy knee bender. Good mirror skills against the defensive end. And tried to uh, try to get an inside move. Use his hands first uh, to keep him at bay. And then the feet caught up with it. I thought, you know, really good job um, keeping uh, the edge rushers in front of him. Defensive back blitzing off the edge. Was easily able to slide and pick him up as well. But look, Matt Parrott, 6'7", 302 pounds. The kid out of uh, Kingston, Jamaica. Um, this kid is legit. Very light feed in, in pass protection. Good leverage getting under the defensive end's pass le- uh, pad, uh, pad level. Just standing guys up. He stays really low and uh, you know is a knee bender. Short, choppy steps, much like uh, Jones. Um, but the knee bend, you know, for a guy who is 6'7", he plays with excellent leverage, gets underneath that pad level, able to really drive that guy up and out. And he just seemed so polished. You know, I was expecting to see a guy who was really raw, but, uh, you know, defensive end trying to get a rip underneath him, but he kept those hands inside, right in that chest plate. And so when they went to try to rip, you know, there really wasn't anywhere to go because he locked on and he was not letting go. And that, that edge rusher trying to get underneath him, trying to turn the corner, and Matt Parrott was having nothing of it. Easily mirroring the defensive end, um, you know, able to anchor, reset his feet and, and anchor even when he was driven back a little bit. Um, you know, does a good job driving his man up the field and away from the pocket as well. Um, he's a guy who's rising up draft boards. I think both of these guys are. And uh, I think when you're looking at my my left, you know, my offensive tackle rankings, these are two guys. We'll be talking about the tackles uh, in next week's podcast. These are two guys. Expect them to be rising up my draft board for sure. Matt Parrott, I hadn't seen him play yet, so I couldn't put him in my top ten. But uh, he's absolutely going to be in my top 10 um, next week. Clemson taking on Louisville, 45-10 to 10 winners in that game. And, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence, you know, this is a guy, you know, 20-29, 233 yards, three touchdowns with two interceptions. Um, you know, really not having having the year that you would expect but i kind of feel like you know some of that is is you know brought on by the media and the pressure you saw that with sam darnold you know everyone was anointing him as the heisman trophy winner the savior for usc the guy who's going to take the trojans to the promised land and, and darnold just didn't live up to that in his redshirt sophomore season and we're seeing kind of that sophomore slump with trevor lawrence this year 
Um, but I think he's the guy who's going to end up turning it around and is still going to end up being the top pick in next year's draft. Now you look at I, uh, Isaiah Simmons, the 6'4", 230-pound junior uh, outside linebacker. You know, came there as a safety. He's really going to be that guy, that hybrid linebacker. Eight tackles, two sacks, also a pass breakup. Uh, comes downhill in a hurry. Um, you know, basically he was patient. Quarterback pulls it on his own read. Quick to plant. Get back outside for a tackle for loss in the backfield. Um, you know, he played edge, played inside backer, outside linebacker, lined up over the slot in that game. Leads the team in tackles, tackles for loss, and sacks in coverage. Uh, quarterback checked down to the tight end, burst inside out to get to the sideline and force the, the tight end out, was spying the quarterback on the right side. Quarterback rolls to the left, um, you know, shot across the line, able to drop the quarterback behind the line for a sack. Um, and just, you know, he's a guy who takes great angles to the football. Um, he's looking more and more like a top 10, a bona fide top 10 pick. Now, the Wisconsin Badgers, could they be looking ahead to their game against Ohio State this week? Entirely possible. Um, you know, they lost 24-23 to uh, the Fighting Illini of Illinois in Champaign. Uh, Jonathan Taylor still you know, over 100 yards rushing, 28 carries, 132 yards, and a touchdown in that game. But, uh, uh, you know, Jack Cohn, 264 yards, a touchdown and an interception. The defense really kind of struggled. Um, you know, I, I thought you know, Zach Bond... You know, struggled getting to the quarterback a little bit. Um, and really, it was Illinois down the stretch making some plays. Jonathan Taylor had uh, a, a, an unfortunate fumble at uh, really an, you know, a time where you really didn't need to have it happen. Um, you know, Reggie Corbin was a running back, 5'10, 200 pounds, the senior, um, really kind of a slasher, you know, accelerating away from guys after he hits the hole. Um, but the slashing running style, his ability to make those cuts down the field, um, you know, make it, it kind of makes him an intriguing possible late day three pick. Um, I mentioned Zach Bond; he is explosive off the ball, beating the left tackle out of his stance. Really three steps, and he's already into the backfield. Um, you know, so I thought that was impressive. Backside pressure against the run, chasing down the running back. Um, you know, so he was a guy who was just had a knack for knifing in, shooting gaps. And uh, was disruptive, but you know there were times where you know he wasn't getting getting home, and I think that was really a, a problem for them because you know there are a lot of young guys on this team. They had to replace a lot of starters, and uh, you know if Zach Bond, Chris Orr uh, aren't making plays, then uh, you know Wisconsin is really going to struggle at times. You know especially you know they, they that defense really took a hit when Scott Nelson, the safety, went down to injury. Illinois has got some guys to keep an eye out for uh, on defense. Uh, you know, Delay Harding, you know, 6'1", 230 pounds, uh, run off to the right, able to shoot the gap and drop uh, you know, Taylor uh, to the inside. He's very active, 11.5 tackles per game, leads the Big Ten, um, takes good angles to the football as well. Read a screenplay, beat the center, Tyler Biotis, uh to the inside and dropped uh, Garrett Groshek uh, for no gain in the open field. Uh, and then number big number 55, uh, Jamal Milan. He's 6'3", 300 pounds, a big physical guy, um, can shoot gaps a little bit. He's definitely a guy who's going to be a, a you know, takes on multiple blockers, uh, but can shed, like I said, shed blocks, fill holes, uh, make it difficult for the running back. Um, he's somebody who I think can play on Sundays as well. Now, Oklahoma taking on West Virginia, 52-14 game there. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts doing Jalen Hurts things, 16 to 17. The only drop was, uh, 
uh, misfire was a drop actually to uh, Drake Stoops, uh, the the son of, of uh, legendary OU head coach Bob Stoops, uh, but still 16 to 17, 316 yards, three touchdowns, a lot to go along with 10 carries for 75 yards and another two scores. Um, you know, Hurts just putting on another impressive performance and a guy who I think is is going to make a push and probably will be in New York for the Heisman ceremony. Uh, C.D. Lamb showing that he was able to separate um, from the cornerback, um, you know, on you know a regular basis. Uh, Twenty-five yard reception, uh, able to get open late across the middle, um, using that big body to his advantage. Neville Gallimore, this was a guy. He there were times where he was so explosive, and other times when he would just disappear during the game, and that's really the biggest concern that I have for Neville Gallimore at the next level. Kenneth Murray. Uh, the 6'2", 234-pound junior linebacker, you know, spying the quarterback uh, in coverage. Uh, quarterback ends up rolling out. He decides he's going to go ahead and ca- come downhill. So explosive with the speed. I mean, he looks uh, looks like a guy, um, you know, when he shows up at the combine, he's going to definitely look the part um, so fast. You know, the closing speed I have here, plus closing speed. It really should be plus, plus closing speed for a guy his size. It's incredible. Um you know, third and ten. You know, there's a run play shot in off the edge to drop the running back for no gain. Um, you know, he's very active to the you know against the run, really flying to the football. I, I think the biggest thing for me with him because I think he can drop into coverage, he can blitz the quarterback, really do a lot off you know off the edge and in the perimeter. But it's his his gap integrity. I think that was one of the things that he's he struggled with as a freshman and a sophomore, and with everything that Alex Grinch has done for this defense. That's the one thing that I'm still waiting to see from Kenneth Murray, and hopefully he can continue to develop that. Now, Oregon took on Washington. 35-31 winners uh, were the Ducks uh, to keep their playoff hopes alive. And, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, was a guy who showed that he can take what the defense gives him, um, you know, surveying the field, taking the checkdowns when he needed to, um, effortless throws on the run, um, some ill-advised throws down the field, you know, and so he's kind of a streaky quarterback. You know, he was six six for or six, six for six for fifty-five yards and a touchdown. Then he goes zero for five, um, you know, on on his latest stretch. Um, I thought when he got uh, under pressure, you know, there were times where he wouldn't set his feet and the ball was sailing on him. But when he's allowed to sit in the pocket and and deliver a strike. Um, he's one of the more impressive quarterbacks that uh, that we've seen in the last few years because you know he he it's so effortless that delivery and his ability to you know gun the football in there. Um, I think he can kind of take take things off uh, and and be able to change the speeds, which is what you really need to do. You know you're going to have to put the touch to a to a receiver. Um, you know especially if he's going to. Um, in front of a sa- in front of a linebacker, I'm sorry, in front of a safety and behind the linebacker and things like that, dropping the ball in the bucket. Um, I think Jacob Eason, though, the 6'6", 227-pound junior, um, he really only knows one speed. You know, I mean, I, I didn't really see a ton of touch. He's the guy who just wants to gun it in there. There were times where the ball got on the receivers a lot faster than they were expecting. Hunter Bryant had one where you know, really he couldn't get the hands up in time on an out route. And... Uh, that's something that I think Jacob Eason is going to need to continue to work on. Um, if you haven't seen Panay Sewell, the sophomore, six six three twenty five, he's he's an absolute treat. He's going to be the top tackle 
prospect for the 2021 draft. I think Walter uh, Walker Little is going to be number two, and then it'll be everybody else after that. But Panay Sewell, um, he's so gifted with his feet. He looks like a tight end with the way that he moves, but he has tackle size. Uh, absolutely caved in the left side of the line in the running game. Um, so athletic and agile as a, as a pass blocker. Just makes it look easy. Um, you know, sits down and uh, just dominates his man that he has in front of him. Um, did get his first penalty that he's ever been called. You know, had a holding call against him first in his entire career. But uh, you know, the effectiveness for him, he's just he's he's one of those guys that uh, just continues to get better and better uh, each and every game, which is scary. Uh, Shane Lemieux, uh, the guard, six four, three hundred sixteen pounds. Um, you know, he struggles against some of the speed. Um, still agile enough to get out and pull in front um, of, of C.J. Verdell, um, getting out, sustaining his block on the edge. 45th straight start, excellent. You know, veteran presence there on the line. Um, you know, if, if he doesn't have to deal with too much speed, he's very effective. It's just you know the, the speed is is what can can bother him. Uh, Jake Hansen, the center, 6'5", 295, 43rd start in 45 games. Uh, another guy who's really agile, climbing to the second level, sprung. Uh, um, you know, Cyrus Habibi Likio um, on an inside run for a, for a 14-yard touchdown. Seal the nose tackle to the outside to let him go ahead and run off that block. Can slide with his man in pass protection. Buried a defensive tackle. Really put him on his butt, opening the hole for, for Travis Dye on a 22-yard run. He and Nick Harris out of Washington, you know, the 6'1", 302-pounder, Definitely top five guard or top five centers in my in my opinion. Nick Harris though I think really kind of moved himself above Jake uh, Jake Hansen. Plays with excellent leverage. Um, you know I, I thought he he did a really good job. You know starting you know first uh, you know, it was quick at, at the line to kind of slow the rush and then climb to the second level to the defensive back um, to spring Hunter Bryant on a tight end screen. Um, you know he's. Very quick, very agile. Um, you know, I thought one of the things that was impressive was, you know, combo block with the right tackle on the nose tackle, Jordan Scott. Then he was able to kind of do a drop step and pick up Troy Dye trying to uh, to shoot off the edge. And, and I thought that was really impressive, um, his ability to pick that up. Um, LSU, Mississippi State, we talked about what, uh, what Kylan Hill did in the game. Look, Grant Delpit... This is a guy who plays all over the field. You know, he can play at depth, 15 yards, um, and and come down in the running game, able to shoot holes between the tackles, make plays on the perimeter, um, blowing up screens, can rush the passer. Grant Delpit can do it all. And uh, you know, this is a guy, let's see, Delpit, uh, 11 tackles and a quarterback hurry. Yeah, Grant Delpit's going to be a top 10, possibly top 5 pick. 6'3", 203, safety. If you haven't gotten a chance to watch LSU yet, tune in, watch Delpit play number seven. He's all over the field. Now, Joe Burrow, 25 pass touchdowns, 79.6 yards. Uh, I'm sorry, 79.6 completion percentage. Leads the FBS. Um, pocket collapsing around him, just steps up to avoid the rush. You know, easy delivery. You know, he has complete command of the offense, knows exactly where he's going to go with the football. The anticipation to hit his receivers in stride, um, his ability to hit the, the 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 crossing routes, put the ball where the receivers can make a catch and and get down the football field. I thought Justin Jefferson had another nice game, the 6'3", 192 pound junior. Uh, Jefferson on the day, eight receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Um, willing to go over the middle, uses you know his big body, 
um, you know, stop route, um, then able to break the, break the uh, defensive backs tackle, get up the field after that. Uh, then Clavin Chasen, um, 6'4", 250-pound junior. Um, I really got to see the speed, the power, getting under the left tackle. Wasn't really expecting him to, to be able to do that, but drove the left tackle back into the quarterback's lap. Uh, so fast turning the corner, too. I mean, just burning by guys. Um, you know, the ankle flexion, I thought, was one of the things. Really bending as he's turning the corner, um, I thought, was really impressive as well. Covering Highland Hill on a, on a wheel route, uh, ultimately able to elevate and, uh, and and make a play on the football. Um, you know, Clavin Chasen, I think he's definitely solidified himself as, a, as one of the top pass rushers in the draft. And then uh, Christian Fulton, uh, he... Does an excellent job, you know, driving on the football, getting a hand in, and knock it away. Um, you know, trailed. Let's see, he was beaten by Osiris Mitchell on a post, uh, but the recovery speed—he didn't panic, um, closed in a hurry, and really was able to play the hands of the receiver. Kept an eye on the receiver's eyes, didn't really turn around to locate the ball, but played the hands. Um, and ultimately made a play on the football. I thought it was really special play, um, you know, from him. Um, you know, he was covering the outside in the zone coverage, read the quarterback size, uh, came back to the inside and picked off a pass, um, thrown to the inside slot receiver. So really jammed the outside receiver in that zone, went back inside and made a pick. Um, you know, I thought Gary Danielson broke that game down. Um, I think it was Gary Danielson. I can't remember who it was on the broadcast. I think LSU. I think they're playing on CBS. But they did an excellent job breaking that down, and you could really see that. You saw him jam the receiver on the outside, came back off on the inside, read the quarterback's eyes, and, and made the pick. Really fooled uh, the freshman Garrett Schrader. Um, let's see. Baylor got the win over Oklahoma State, 45-27. Uh, Charlie Brewer is a kid who just continues to develop, continues to look better and better. Georgia, Kentucky, um, playing in the deluge in, uh, in Athens, Georgia, Sanford Stadium. Um, really struggled with, with, with throwing the football. Both teams did. A Lim Bo- uh, Bowden Jr., you know, receiver. He'll be a receiver at the next level, but he's playing quarterback for the Wildcats um, you know, due to injury and ineffectiveness at the quarterback position. He's the guy right now. Um, not the most impressive passer by any means, but he's just so athletic, so dynamic. He's a guy who can make his way into the top 10 of the receiver rankings. But DeAndre Swift, uh, 23 carries, 179 yards, two touchdowns. While other guys were having issues in the rain, he had zero issues. He looked uh, looked dynamic, uh, as always. Uh, Colorado going down to Washington State, 41 to 10. Stephen Montez really struggling. He was 16 to 30, 129 yards, two touchdowns. I'm sorry, two interceptions. Uh, didn't throw a touchdown in that game. Um, just a guy who you know, just isn't seeing the field. You know, he's missing. You know, not only is he he's not setting his feet, he's not driving. You know, driving through the football, um, driving the ball down the field. Uh, you know, made a couple of nice throws, dropped the ball in to, to KD Nixon, putting it over his shoulder um, on a on a flea flicker. But it's it's one of those things, you know, he he had a an out route to the wide side of the field, you know, at the seven yard line, and you know, underthrew his receiver, you know, who was wide open on this out route. Um, you know, it's just the footwork is off, 
you know, I, I think he's kind of, it looks like he's lost his confidence is really what it looks like. And, and you know, Steven Montez is really going to have to work on that, you know, really have to uh, kind of right the ship going forward. Otherwise, uh, that's really going to impact his draft stock overall. And then, you know, Penn State, as I mentioned, K, uh, KJ Hamler, so sudden off the ball, uh, or so, you know, sudden off the ball, sudden with the ball in his hands as well. Um, you know, I talked about that uh, inside uh, inside slot. Uh, you know, the, the the fade, uh, his ability to track the football over his shoulder, um, had a 53. Let's see. You know, had a 53 yard touchdown from the slot, ran by Josh Metellus up the seam, um, really turned the safety around, kind of cut to the inside, kind of looked almost like a skinny post, tracked the ball over his shoulder well, catch for a touchdown. Um, he's a guy who can play in the slot. I think that's really where his home's going to be is is as a slot receiver. And he was really wreaking havoc for for a lot of those, uh, um, you know, the the safeties having to try to match up with him. I thought uh, they they really struggled there. Um, and then USC beating Arizona forty one to fourteen. You know they're down to their fourth string running back. I think they're down, you know, like seven or eight of their starters on defense. You know, Michael Pittman, just four receptions for 69 yards. But look, you know, Tyler Vaughn's and Amon Ross St. Brown, I think, had, you know, better. Uh, let's see, Tyler Vaughn, seven receptions for 75 yards and a touchdown. Um, but Michael Pittman just looks like a beast. I mean, he's so strong with the ball in his hands. Quick throw on the perimeter on an eight-yard touchdown. Got out the field, uh, ran through the cornerback for, for the touchdown. High points to pass down the middle of the field. Tracked the ball well. Able to jump and elevate over the defensive back. Um, on a 54-yard gain as well. Just so big, so physical, able to attack the football in the air. He doesn't really need a whole lot of separation because he can kind of create some separation late. And, uh, you know, he's he's a guy who really, you, you struggle to kind of jam him off the line. He's going to go up like a power forward and attack the football in the air. Kind of reminds me of uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside with the way that he attacks the football. Um but USC has to find ways to get him the football down the football field because he is so dynamic. So those were the games that I saw, what I really got to watch. So let's take a look at some matchups real quick, and then we'll go ahead and get this podcast wrapped up. So we mentioned Wisconsin and, and Ohio State. That's the, uh, the early game. Number three Buckeyes uh, hosting the number 13 Badgers who are coming off the uh, the loss to Illinois. Uh, will they be motivated? Paul Chris going to have his work cut out for him going up against Ryan Day's, uh, you know, the dynamic offense led by uh, Justin Fields and J.K. Dobbins and then Chase Young and uh, Jeffrey Akuda uh, on defense. OU taking on Kansas State in Manhattan. Um you know, Jalen Hurts getting to go up against a, a tough K-State defense. Um, Iowa taking on Northwestern. Northwestern has struggled. Um, I don't know that uh, they'll be much of a be able to put up much of a fight against Iowa. Let's see, um, A&M against Mississippi State. I think that'll be an interesting contest. Uh, Garrett Schrader going up against Kellen Mond in that one. I uh, really want to see what uh, if Kylan Hill can get it, really get things going. He struggled, like I said, in the last three games. Can he get things going against that Aggie defense, less than, uh, led by uh, Justin Matabuke and uh, and Buddy Johnson, the linebacker. So continuing to go through this, you know, Liberty's taking on Rutgers. Liberty, I think, is a favorite in that game, and uh, you know I, I'm. 
It's on the Big 12 network. Kind of want to tune into that game. Watch Stephen Buckshot Calvert throwing the football to Antonio Gandy-Golden, who's going to be uh, a breakout receiver in the NFL. Just watch. Auburn-LSU, the other big game. LSU, the number two ranked Tigers at home, taking on the number nine Tigers of, you know, of Auburn. And uh, you know, I want to see that that defensive front, that defensive line. Can they get to Joe Burrow? Can uh, you know? Can Derek Brown really be effective there? Uh, and then LSU's defense. I think they're going to pressure Bo Nix left and right. Um, and, and I think LSU is going to end up coming away with the win there. Uh, Penn State going on the road. Number six ranked Nittany Lions going to East Lansing to take on Miss, uh, Michigan State. Uh, Texas, number 15 in the country, heading to uh, Fort Worth, Amon G. Carter Stadium against TCU. That ought to be an interesting game. Minnesota, number 17 ranked uh, Golden Gophers at home against Maryland. And then check this out. Minnesota and, and Iowa State both ranked. Number 23 ranked uh, you know, uh, Cyclones. I mean, you got P.J. Fleck and, and Matt Campbell, two of the best young coaches in the game. You really see what they're doing there. Iowa State taking on Oklahoma State. Uh, I think that'll be a really good game to watch. Um, you know, Iowa State is is really putting a lot, you know, putting everything together, um, both offensively and defensively. And I think they're a well-rounded team. Oklahoma State with that high-powered offense should be an interesting contest. As we continue to scroll through things, um, let's see. Bama takes on Arkansas without Tua Tagovailoa. I guess you know if they're going to lose him. This is probably the right time, you know, against the Hogs. They're saying he'll be back next week. Uh, Clemson taking on BC, number four ranked, uh, you know, Clemson Tigers at home. The only thing that I could see here, you know, that might trip them up at all is that that BC running game. You know, BC hasn't had uh, the best year. I think defensively they're going to struggle, but you know, it'd be interesting to see if BC what they can do with that run game. Uh, Notre Dame, number eighth ranked. Uh, Fighting Irish taking on number 19, Michigan, in the big house, going to Ann Arbor. Can Shea Patterson really put together a full game? You know, and, and we didn't talk about his play last week, but a guy who just he looked scared against uh, Penn State. Just, you know, he was real skittish in the pocket, you know, really couldn't set his feet. You know, Yitro Gross Matos, you know, was spending some time in the backfield. Shaka Tony, their defensive end, um, showing that he can play both the run and the pass. And then Robert Windsor on the inside. Um, yeah, that defensive line is just so impressive. They've got guys who can play at the next level. Um, you know, Robert Windsor, the speed to power, you know, the, the quickness off the ball, generating that power, able to shoot gaps as well. He can be very, um, very effective. And then their sophomore phenom linebacker, Micah Parsons, the instincts, his ability to play the run, drop into passing lanes, um, you know, and get after the passer as a blitzer. Um, I, I think he really, they really exposed Michigan State there. Um, I'm sorry, Michigan there. So I think Notre Dame, um, you know, ends up getting it done. Although, you know, USC in the second half figured something out against the Irish and uh, only made it a three point game. So if Michigan can figure out what they can do, you know, that defense is dynamic. You know, Quiddy Pay is for real at the defensive end position. Not somebody, you know, a guy that a lot of people are talking about, 6'4", 277-pound junior. Uh, he was a leading tackler, had 10 tackles on the day. Um, you know, if that defense can get some stops to get that Notre Dame defense, 
Can Shea Patterson really put things together? Can that old line, the much maligned offensive line for the Michigan Wolverines, who was once thought to be the strength, they've got four returning starters. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what can happen there. UCLA much improved over the last couple of weeks under Chip, uh, Chip Kelly at home at the Rose Bowl, taking on the number 24 ranked uh, Arizona State Sun Devils. Uh, lost, uh, you know, basically a blowout to, to Utah. Didn't really get a whole lot going. Um, you know, the, the weather obviously played a big part there in Utah. Uh, let's see, Utah taking on a Cal defense, you know, uh, that's really formidable. That's going to be an interesting contest as well. And then the late game, Oregon, the number 11th ranked Ducks, uh, taking on Wazoo at home. So that's going to be the week nine lineup. Um, so I'll be making sure to tune into those games, watch as many as I can so that I can go ahead and break things down uh, next week. We're going to take a look at the offensive line, really break down the offensive tackles along with the interior linemen. We're also going to throw those tight ends in there as well. we got to give them some love. So we'll be talking about that next week, episode 12. Stay tuned. Hope everyone enjoys their weekend. Enjoy college football. Before you know it, it's going to be over. So you got to enjoy it. Really enjoy it while you can. I know I will be. So we'll be here again. We'll do it all over again next week. So until then, I am Greg Schutz for ReadyForTheDraft.com. This has been the Ready For The Draft podcast. Take care, everyone, and I am out of here.